Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Open me all the time. So yeah. in relation to, in relation to those two places. Live. Oh. <laughs> Hello? 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 So this is your uh, fearless leader. Well, fearless on some days, so <laughs> less so on others. But um, so um, it looks like uh, Gail is Gail on the call. Yes, I am here. Hey, she made it <laughs> from the wilds of Canada. Well, not exactly the wilds. <laughs> I think the airport was more wild than Canada has ever been. Really? Did you guys get a lot of snow up there, or? No, I mean it was in it was in uh, all of the connecting flights went through DC or New York. Oh, every, right. Every single flight was canceled for three days. Yikes. So um, we were lucky we got out on Tuesday, but um, it was because we went through Chicago. Yeah. So we're still digging. I love Canada. Mm. Yeah, it's very civilized. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> that, that I'm, I'm, I'm American, so I really have a very strong basis for comparison. Right. Right. Uh, no, they I'm are. So, they're so nice okay. up there. That's what everyone <laughs> says. You know. I, I heard a I heard a joke about um about Ted Cruz in Canada and it said uh the birther, you know, controversy right, like you right. know rumors putting that Ted Cruz is Canadian and he refused to be nice about it and apologize it in his denial, proving <laughs> that he actually isn't Canadian because he didn't say, I'm sorry, I, I, I apologize for that takes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> No, I, I actually visit. Or do you live in um, what part of Quebec do you live in? I'm really far south now. We were my partner and I were in Montreal for almost ten years, but um, okay. because I'm American, I have a lot of uh, friends and clients in Vermont. So we're ah. three miles, from, uh, three kilometers from the Vermont border. Oh wow! Okay. So, I mean, I, te- I teach in St. Albans. It takes me less than twenty minutes. Right, me. right. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, called Saint Armand. Huh. Because I, I visited. With a group of folks, um, Montreal and Quebec City, and then rented a house uh, in the Charlevoix um, oh, nice. some years back. It was beautiful. Yeah, that's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. How yeah. far are you from Gatineau? From what? Yeah, there's a city called Gatineau. It's about two hours from Toronto. Not sure. I'm, st- I'm still okay. five, to yeah. five, six years. Dave, is that you? Yeah, yeah. Well, because well, I'm seeing, I'm looking on my screen, and and I guess it's your your call. You're showing up as New York, even though you're actually. Um, oh, oh, I I have that New York uh, Skype fixed landline that I talked oh, okay. about. Okay. And okay. I also he's actually from Rio de Janeiro, or calling from Rio de Janeiro. So. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's yeah, yeah. I, I told. I think. I I think it was like Ted. Was it talking to Ted? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Ted, I I because uh, I only I, I only managed one hour of the um of the of the previous phone call because of some insane circumstances uh, for the last two days, which is not uncommon here. And and, and you uh, don't have to know you don't have to have listened to all of it to to be ready, but uh, you know it'll it'll and that's I, that's I had, the, you got the gist. 
Uh, well, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I, I understand what's going on. It's, it's, uh, and it's, it's what I want. It's all about. Um, uh, all right. Before I go, before I say. Well, actually, why don't you make this your introduction, since you're, since you're new to the group? So, and you, you have sixty seconds. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to tell you before I even get started. I already promised Ted that for the benefit of everybody else, I will try to speak as little as possible. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, all right, so tell us tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, Dave, because it is one o'clock, so we are getting going here. So, all right, let's see. Sixty seconds. I can't do it in sixty seconds. I'll try. My name is David Maswari, born uh, and raised in from Brooklyn to New York. Uh, ended up wandering the world because I am a professional mixed martial arts fighter and professional fighter, also type one diabetic. Uh, I'm also a polyglot, so I speak a lot of foreign languages. Moved to Rio, became a fighter, got married. Uh, I'm also an interpreter, translator, and uh, an entrepreneur. And I decided that copywriting is an essential skill for life, and I want to make money with that, as well as e-commerce. And uh, I am ambitious to want to conquer the world, and this is, I think, how to get it done. All right. <laughs> hey, you did that in 30 seconds. I'm proud of you. That's amazing. Thanks, man. I, okay. That's a speech therapy in the therapy <laughs> talk, but yeah. All right. Um, Gail, why don't you um, – well, I think um, you may have shared um, a little bit by email, but just go ahead and give us a minute uh, of, uh, you know, your background. Um, I have actually been a creative writer and a journalist for a very long time, but it's only been the last few years uh, since my son was born that I started um, looking at commercial uh, freelancing, and um, I'm really loving it. I've been sort of actively in business for a year and a half, I actually uh, just got a contract last week to write my first executive summary, and I felt so full of myself until I <laughs> actually sat down to do it and realized, wow, I really don't know what I'm doing. So, but this uh, client is a uh, she really has faith in me. She likes my skills, and she's willing to kind of be with me on that growth growth curve. So I'm very happy to be. That's here. always nice. Yeah, That's always no, it's, nice. it's a good timing with this class, and I read Peter's book, and I reread Peter's book. When I get discouraged, I reread Peter's book, and I thought it's going to be great in person. Too. And I reread Peter's book when I'm like, you know, can't go to sleep, and I need something <laughs> to. You know. And no, it's, it's great for sticking at a doorstop. And you it's, know. no, it's really great inspiration, Peter. I mean, you know that, but um, yeah. but just personally, and I've referred to a lot of writers to that to that book, and and I've seen other books, and I, I really. Uh, I think you have something really special, so I'm very Good. happy. Well, thank you. I, I, it's always nice to hear that. So, um, Is Chris on the call? I sure am. Hey, Chris just uh, Christmas uh, Tuesday as well, but uh, she is here today. So this is Chris Gilbertson, and um, just tell us, give us uh, 60 seconds on who you are, where, you're, where you are, literally and figuratively, and what you hope to get out of this. Okay, I can do that. I am a writer and editor, and I have I work mainly with large nonprofits and associations in uh, and where are you district, lo- the District okay. of Columbia. Got it. Okay. Although I, I live just outside in Virginia, um, I wrote a lot of advocacy and donor communications, but I left the market a few years ago, and just last year started writing articles and profiles for a local print organization. But I want to build commercial work. Um, I'm not confident about the various forms and methods in producing commercial work, and you know I like to understand structure. 
Now right. I did go through the. I've listened to the tape of that I missed of the first session, so okay. I know where it's going. Good, good. All right, thank you. Um, was there anyone else that we missed on Tuesday to get an intro? Um, and if not, yes, no. Now's your chance. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, could I just one question? Because yeah. I, I, okay. Uh, I'm I'm in Rio, but I come back to New York about every two or three months. So uh, there's about three or four New Yorkers, in, including one Astoria uh, person on the phone. Right. And uh, I, I wanted to make a. I don't know if this is appropriate. If it's not, Peter, just have Go no, ahead. Have no yeah. function, if, if it's uh, not, I'll tell you. <laughs> I have no compunction about. You don't even have to be nice about Dave. Shut up. Um, so anyhow. Um, if there's anybody that's in New York uh, that we can possibly meet up, uh, I'm an excellent networker, and so uh, you know maybe just trade ideas, and I'd be more than happy to pass along you know whatever I'm not competent at, uh, but I know a guy who is, and just get the yeah. business going. No, that's so. that's that's fine, and and I will leave that up to you guys. What I will do, um, I think you've probably gotten each other's emails through email addresses through the emails I've been sending out, but on the last, after the last session, I'll send, um, you know, everyone's email out, and, you know, I don't, you know, I'll let you guys sort that out, you know, um, I don't, you know, want to, you know, say yay or nay or whatever, but uh, we're all, you know, we're all adults, and, um, but, you know, I always encourage people to have um, a group of folks that they can um, uh, kind of you know, trade ideas with, and in a number of the groups I've done in the past, people have even started like a Yahoo group or a Google groups or you know uh, even a Facebook that's page that's or whatever, um, so that they can you know keep in touch. And again, that's not something that I'm going to create for each group. So if somebody wants to take it on, no pressure. You know, seriously, um, that's great. And um, you know, if not, you can you know, just do something informal. Um, I have a group locally here in Atlanta that I started in 1997, and there's just six of us, and there's always been just six of us. And you know, the joke is, you know, someone, one of us has got to die, you know, before we, you know, let anybody else in. And um, and believe it or not, I'm the I'm the least experienced of of the group, you know, at 22 years. Um, and uh, and it's been great. Um, you know, at this point, a number of the people are getting close to or have already retired. Um, so at this point, it's mostly social. Um, but, uh, you know, for most of that time, we, you know, um, and if you read the book, you saw we, we actually did a marketing campaign together and we shared ideas and we get together every three or four months, you know, potluck. And so anyway, it's a, it's a good thing. So, um so yeah, so Dave, you know, nothing wrong with asking that and um and again, uh, I'll share it at the end and and uh people can do what they want. So, okay. So we have a lot of stuff to cover today and I'm going to try to make it not so rushed, uh but um but we do have to cover some ground. So, um briefly, anybody have any quick, you know, got to get this thing squared away questions about Tuesday's session that you want to uh, ask at this point? Um, will we at some point cover how to research the demographics of whoever we're writing for? Is that covered in the session? Uh, 
Actually, that's a good question. Um, no, we won't. Let me, let me just answer that. Uh, sure. And um, it's actually quite rare in this world that I have had to do that. Um, that happens more um, from my understanding because I'm not in the direct response world um, where you're writing long letter stuff. Um, that you oftentimes have to do a little more in-depth research because you know, if you're writing a 20-page document um, that has to you know, keep hitting that person's hot buttons, um, you've got to know more about them. As a rule, um, in our business, it's simply a matter of asking who's the audience, <clears throat> what's important to them, um, you know, even maybe what language do they uh, re respond to, and, and Ted brought up the discovery questionnaire that I have in the book and, and that some of those questions are in there. Um, and, and honestly, beyond that, I haven't had to do uh, any real demographic research. Not to say that you know other people who do what we do um, have ha haven't had a different experience, but um, I, I, haven't, I haven't needed to, uh, to do that. Um, so, um, so there you go. Okay, no worries. Um, okay, I want to get into briefly, um, today we're going to be covering uh, website copy, um, white papers, case studies, and before we get into that, I want to cover a few other smaller uh, that take less time. Um, every, hopefully everybody's got their uh, box.com box opened up. Um, and if so, go to the file, open up the file that says sales letter samples. And this is just going to be kind of a brief thing. Again, as I, as I mentioned the other day, I'm trying to give you as much information as you can and, um, so that you can go back and uh, you know, review this on your own. These samples, you, know, you can download them. You can download the recordings so you can have it you know, indefinitely. So, um, but just a couple examples, and again, a sales letter, when you say a sales letter, um, sometimes, again, in the direct response world, it can be this very long thing. In our world, it usually isn't a very long thing. It's usually a, um, a page or two, uh, often a lot, you know, narrative. Uh, and again, you know, different people can have different experiences. But um, so this is just some examples. Um, this was a, a, a sales letter I did for somebody a long time ago, and this was the before. Okay, so um, and it was a you know a mortgage broker, and um, it was wasn't terribly well written, and it was a little you know dry. But so the next page is the after, and um, and this is kind of the you know the key device, I guess, is for lack of a better word, that I want you to take away from this is you know a sales letter should always have a headline. And I know that's sort of maybe counterintuitive to what you think about a letter, but um, you know, as a sales letter, it you need to attract somebody's attention. So, uh, in this case, I read what you know they uh, what this company was offering, and um, I encapsulated into um, something that um, would appeal to the target audience they were hitting. So, so I knew that they were going to, they were trying to uh, attract uh, partners, um, and obviously a partner wants to put their money, um, put their money on a good horse, so to speak. And so, 
a two-year-old mortgage brokerage firm with monthly retail closings in excess of $10 million and looking for a partner, um, you know, that's they, you know, just in asking questions of them, I got the sense that you know, this, is who, this is who they're talking to, this is what's important to this person, and so how do you create something that's going to get their attention? It's that simple. And then if you compare the two letters, you know, I cleaned it up some. I didn't completely reinvent the wheel, but I cleaned it up some and, and uh, just made it read a little bit better. And, um, but, the, but the key thing here is the, um, is the, the headline. Going down to the third sample, this is actually three different headline options that I offered. Um, this was a project I did actually just a few years ago for um, a real estate, um, a high-end real estate company um, in, um, out in Palo Alto. Um, and um, again, um, you know, they're talking to home buyers uh, or home sellers, um, and you know, how do you get it? You know, how do you get someone's attention? And and that's a that was a very unusual market out there. It's kind of like completely recession proof. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those you know, 1.4 million for a two-bedroom, one-bath fixer-upper. I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous market. Um, but, um, Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, uh, and, and this company, um, I did a lot of stuff for them. Um, but, uh, um, and anyway, so this is, um, you know, hopefully I thought that this would be intriguing. And, you know, these letters that they had below here, they existed already, but they wanted to rework them. And I reworked the, the copy a little bit, and I put this headline in. And then there's another version below that, you know, um, and this is geared towards someone who's trying to upgrade to a next, you know, bigger home, looking for a bigger home, but don't know what's out there. We've got answers into questions you haven't even thought of, you know, want a bigger home, need to sell yours first, let us show you how it's done. Um, and and then uh and then uh oh okay so that's the end of the, the the couple real estate ones the last two um are i did a bunch of work for a of all things a military academy uh here in in georgia uh and as as a editorial aside um i had my i had my thinking uh very much rewired about military academies uh, as a result of of uh doing this work for them um i always thought of them as like <laughs> the place that you know the the truants and and miscreants and ne'er-do-wells were sent to and uh, and there 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 no doubt is some of that but um i was actually quite impressed with um you know really what they stand for anyway so um but um, this was uh, some letters that were being sent to parents of prospective students. And um, this was, they were, they were focusing this first letter towards a father. Um, and I interviewed um, a parent whose son was uh, a student. And uh, based on that interview, created this letter. Um, as if coming directly from them, of course. Uh, and of course, I ran it past them, you know, afterwards, so that they could uh, make sure that I captured what they were saying. And you know, again, it started out with, and it was, it started out with this, I thought, a fairly, you know, powerful statement. And you know, the idea is, and and in my experience, if you let someone talk long enough, I mean, within reason, <laughs> they will say something really amazing um, that, and they will hand you your 
theme, your concept on a silver platter. And in this case, you know, he did this. It was, and you know, this is a this is a tough thing for you know this father to admit. Um, but it was also something that um, you know, if if there's another father out there who feels the same way and is kind of like got that you know sense of I should be able to you know handle this myself and I shouldn't have da da da. Um, you know, it can it can speak to them. So you know. Um, and then, the, and then there was one more, one other letter. Um, and and by the way, you see a P.S. You always have a P.S. at the end of a sales letter. So I don't know if I had one at the original one, but anyway, um, that first one in the whole file I did a, quite a long time ago. But uh, um, and then um, the last one is I think this was from um, yes, yeah, this was from a mom. Um, and uh, when we sent our son to ABC summer school, the plan was to have him get back on track and return to his regular school in the fall. They had summer programs, you know, where people could just, you know, do things for the summer. But, you know, but then something interesting happened. Well, you know, if, you're, if you've been approached by this school or you're looking into it and you're not sure and, you know, da 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 you know, that's, hopefully that's going to get your attention. So, and both of these are what? You know, what are these letters really? They're solutions. Well, well yeah. They're, well, they're, they're, they're solutions that that um, that deal with uh, with problems. You're, get, that you're getting to, too you're getting too complicated with it. They're stories. They deal with people. Okay. They're just stories, you know. And you, 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 storytelling is so um, is such an integral part. Can be such an integral part of. Uh, how things work. I mean, you know, here's here's this parent, you know, bearing their soul, you know, telling them how it went with their with their son, you know, in this in this place. So um, anyway, but yeah, I mean, you you definitely want to offer a solution, and you want to offer something that's going to you know resonate with somebody. But um, but again, at the boiled down to the essence, this is a, this is just a story. Um, and hopefully, I, a compelling one. So. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I, I, I'm from what I'm seeing um, about all of this, and the, I got about sixty percent of the last phone call. I'm getting the feeling that a, a, a lot of really great, real great copy, whatever, is is telling a story and using it to relate, or using all the devices and putting it in a story. And well, is, is that it, sort of... it's you know it, storytelling is a um, a proven um, and um, you know proven effective strategy for writing copy and as um, buyers of anything um, get more and more jaded uh, and. Uh, they want something they want authenticity and they want genuine um in in what they read they don't want to be sold they want to be educated they want to be informed they you know they don't mind someone helping them buy something uh and stories i think have a way of disarming people um and that's why things like case studies which we'll get into um are 
um, you know, growing in popularity because it's kind of it's a soft sell. Um, you know, it's telling a story. It's telling a story of how something really worked out well. Um, and uh, you know, and, and obviously in a case like this particular sample, this is in a very emotional uh, type sale. This is a business to consumer type sale, whereas you know, case studies are going to be a business to business type thing, and so it's going to be a much you know much less emotional sale. Um, it's going to be more. Um, um, you know, just yeah, kind of. We need to we need to do this, you know, to move our business forward, you know, kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that that's like you know, it's the foundation of everything we do, but it's it's definitely something that you that you want to. Yeah, use. powerful device to yeah. rely on. Right, right. So, um, okay. Um, any questions on these? And again, I'm not giving you some exhaustive treatment of sales letters because you know I, I, we could we could spend a whole session on them. But uh, I wanted to just give you some um, you know some, some basics. So, any questions on this before we um, we move on to something to the next piece? And again, Actually, yes. Okay. This is Mickey. Uh, okay. Did you make up the story, and do you make up stories? Or no, I didn't make up this story. You're talking about the you're talking about the um, um, the summer school. Oh no, no, no! These were no. I wouldn't net that. That really wouldn't be now. When it came to, we saw those samples the other day where you know there was like a little uh, doctor-patient software, and there was like a little you know scenario where somebody calls in to get test results. That kind of, that was made up, and and no one's going to have any issue with that being made up because it's you know it's just showing how something works. This. No, I, did, I definitely didn't make this up. This was a real story. It's just that they told it to me in a you know more disjointed fashion or whatever, and I cleaned it up and turned it into um, hopefully something more compelling. So, um, so no, you don't want to be you know when you're talking about something like this, you don't want to be making up stuff like that. So okay, um, okay. Um, let's close out of that, and you know, I want to show you another um, device, so to speak. Go to the beginning of the – well, at least it is on mine. It's the one that says 10 cues, 7 cues, samples. It's num it's the f if you have it in alphabetical order, it's going to show up as your first file. All right, somebody's got some, some background noise going on, um, if you, if, and I'm not sure who it is, but it's kind of – um, if 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 you want to watch that, or just hit star six and and mute yourself. Um, okay. Does everybody did everybody find that um, file? Yes. Okay. I don't have a no, what, say, say what is it again? Okay. The number ten. Ten cues. Seven cues. Samples. Okay. Got it. Okay. So this is another device. Um, um, I think I mentioned this to you, this story the other day. It was a, um, a brochure that I did for a um, residential and commercial security company um, where we actually did four versions of the brochure for four different audiences, but we printed um, a, you know, 5,000 shells of, you know, that 5,000 had 
information that was standard to all of the brochures, and then we overprinted four versions of copy. Okay. Well, this part right here was part of the the shell. This was this was going to go on every um, version of it because it was a compelling story. So, well, well, it was a compelling story on the uh, the the Chick Fil A on the left, names you can trust, and then on the right, uh, and this was a flap you know, that just folded in. Just a, and it was um, the 10 questions you need to ask of any security provider and why. So uh, give me some, you know, why do you think something like this would be effective? What does this accomplish in essence? It establishes credibility and trust. Mm -hmm. well, how does it establish trust? I, I agree, but I want to, because you're saying, these are the kind of questions you may have, and we can answer them for you. And if you read the content, it's pretty, you know, it's not saying we're the best, we're the only one. It's saying these are what you need to ask of any security provider. Right. And in essence, it's saying um, regardless of who you go with, we want you to you know, you need to ask these questions so that you have a good overall experience. So even though in this case they didn't come right out and say it, in essence, um, you know, th th they're saying we're more committed to you having a good experience than to buying our product. And that is, that's kind of almost like a takeaway. It's, that can be very, very compelling. And by saying the 10 questions you need to ask of any security provider and then going through this list of them, in essence, it's, you're, you're setting yourself up as the good guy in the industry, willing to kind of rip the lid off the industry and, you know, show what really goes on, you know. So, so looking at it from the consumer's point of view almost. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, there is a sales angle to this, no question about it, because – if you you're going to highlight the things that you do better <laughs> than your competition, um, and there may be things that your competition do better than you, in which case you're probably not going to bring those up. Um, but in this case, this particular case, they they really did, you know, have a superior product over most of their competition. But um, but these are also some very critical questions. I mean, you know, people would be able to tell if it was just frivolous stuff. You know, they'd say, well, what about the, no, 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 you know. Um, and, um, and, and I've used this, uh, this device in a number of different things. If you scroll on to the next page, this is actually the home page. Well, actually, this is not the home page, but on the home page, um, you see right in the middle of the page, by the way, rainy compression essentials, um, this is a uh, medical apparel company, uh, meaning they create um, uh, the garments that people wear post-elective surgery, like liposuction, breast augmentation, things like that. So, um, and um, I did a catalog for them a couple of years ago, and uh, they had me do the tagline. And the tagline, I got to love the fact that they were willing to go there. The tagline was, lift and enhance your practice. <laughs> you got to love that. <laughs> but the whole idea was, go with us, and they're talking to doctors, go with us, and 
we'll make your practice better because we'll make your customers happier and that'll just reflect well on you. As it was, we were able to kind of have a fun little double entendre in there too. So, But anyway, so you can see right there under the, the banner up top, before you buy, seven questions you need to ask of any compression garment provider. And I had shown them this other piece that I did, and they liked the idea. And we did the same thing. And if you want to go to, you know, if you actually want to visit the website, it's just rainywear, um, R-A-I-N-E-Y-W-E-A-R.com, and, you, and, you and you'll see it, and you can click through there. But, you know, after any elective surgery, the body will heal, but you, you can control how long it takes and how comfortable you heal along the way. And then boom, boom, boom. And notice what I did on each of these questions. Um, you know, there's a jump for each of them. Most of our competition creates your products machine oversees it. Rainy, more. So, you know, you leave them in the middle <laughs> of a thought. You know, so, well, Rainy what? <laughs> what do you do? So, um, so it's, I mean, this is kind of typically or standard tactics in a sense. Um, with most, many companies, most of their policies and procedures are designed and, you know, it's like people are guessing what's coming next, but they're going to want to click to find out. So, but again, um, and even and on this one, we even did. They even did go for the verbiage you see at the beginning. It says, regardless, if Rainy, we want your healing experience or that of your patients to be faster, better, or more comfortable. We wrote it this way: your healing experience or that of your patients, because it could have been um, a, a, an actual patient visiting the site or a doctor visiting the site. To be faster, better, and more comfortable, regardless of which garment provider we choose, of you choose. So, sure, we'd be honored to have your business, but whomever you choose, make sure they can deliver the results you demand. So, and so that just sets you up as you know, hey, these guys know what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So, okay. Um, any other questions on that? My goodness, uh, time is flying here. One quick one. Very yeah. Quick. Okay, uh, well, two very quick ones. Uh, it says, it starts out, are your products probably handling in America? Most of them come to it. The fact that you have the more, is that sort of uh, like something you would consider a key essential to give them something else to want to click into the site? No, yeah, that's that what I was saying. With. That's what I was saying is okay. the more is a, is a, is a, is a hot link to, to the, the end okay, of the okay. sentence. So, um, I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. Um, the second question is, I guess, uh, uh, kind of intuitive. Not really worth mentioning. Okay. <laughs> He's self-correcting. <laughs> I love it when I do that. <laughs> um, I had a well, quick I question. Get... Okay. Uh, do you stick to specific numbers of facts? So, like, do you stick with seven and no, ten? No, no, I don't. I mean, you know, you don't want to get into 15, and, you know, you right. probably don't want to do three, you know. But um, it's really driven by what are the points that they want to make, you know. Um, and so, but there's no, there's no magic number. In fact, you know, 10 might be actually not as good a number as 9 or 11 or 7 or, you know, something like that, you know. So. Okay. Um, okay. Um, Next one I'm really not going to spend a lot of time on, but uh, go to – close this one out and then go to um, IMP of paper WP. It's the importance of paper, white paper, original plus PB revised. Everybody see that? IMP of paper? Yeah, no. IMP as in important. Importance. 
Okay, is everybody with me? Okay, so this was uh, this is a client. This was the first project I did for a client that has turned into a very nice, steady client. Um, this is a graphic design firm that does um, that does um, design for nonprofits, and this guy wanted to start doing what he called white papers and they weren't really white papers but just sort of little reports about something and um and this was his version the importance of paper how it makes your brand stronger um and then um he just had me rewrite it and following this is my rewrite um just as a, as the uh, word doc um and as you can see, you know, instead of just starting out, you know, all nonprofits have a mission, a goal to make, da da da. I actually start out with a story. <laughs> um, imagine that, you know. Picture this: someone to whom you've given one of your organization's business card, then receives a mailer about your upcoming event. If the business card was, et cetera, et cetera. You guys, again, this is going to be. A, this is a classic case of, you know, read this on your own time, but kind of see how I rewrote it. Um, I wasn't paid very much for this, but it didn't, didn't take me very long. I think I made like $300, but it took me probably two hours, you know, if that. So, you know, I'll make that. I'll make that trade most days. Um, so, um, what would somebody use this for? I mean, where would he? They put would. This? You would put this. He was putting this on his website, and things like this um, kind of establish him as an expert in his field. So that he, you know, so he, it's sort of a subtle way of saying we're we're going deeper than just making stuff look pretty. We're looking at how you know paper and the quality of the paper can make a big difference in uh, how you're perceived uh, in the marketplace. And so it's letting his uh, audience, potential and uh, existing, know that he's he's operating on a you know. A, a deeper level than than uh, other companies might be, and yeah, maybe these other companies are operating on a deeper level too. But things like this, if they don't have things like this, it, it may not be demonstrating that. So, does that answer your question? Oh yeah, Thanks. yeah. So and 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 you know and he can again he can figure out what are the things that we do that we we go a little deeper on stuff and we could write something about it and you know again it it has this kind of subtle you know. Um, subtle uh, message that you know we're on top of things. Okay, so um, and um, and by the way, he and his and, and their husband wife uh, team, and I don't know how they do it. They're like late thirties. They have three small children, and they're just they, they're incredible time managers. Um, he and his wife have told me how hard it is to find good, reliable writers who turn in clean copy, who are good at what they do, and are easy to work with. You know, he's had a lot of bad experiences with, uh, with writers in the past. Um, so when he finally finds someone who's good, it opens up all sorts of possibilities in his, in, in his mind. Um, you know, they've, they've done really good work before, but when they knew that they had this someone like me in their corner, they can go after bigger, more ambitious projects and, um, and then include me in that. So and and actually about six months ago they actually asked me to join their team, quote unquote, and so they put my profile and um, picture on their site as part of their team. So which is a wonderful compliment, um, and um, so uh, so it makes them look bigger 
and more established. So there's no, you know, I'm still an independent, but you know, the rest of the world doesn't necessarily know that. So, but um, anyway, okay, go to um, the NF about three or four below that NFP as in not for profit combo sample plus questionnaire. Everybody see that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. All right. Now, first of all, this was a um, unusual project that I did with this with this designer, and um, it was a a big found a big foundation uh, before or a big organization that um, is sort of a clearinghouse for foundations across the country. So they provide resources and education and and you know access to you know, databases and you know all this stuff that supports you know these different foundations and the work that they do one of their events every year is called foundation on the hill and it's where a representative from a given foundation will um representing a a certain region of the country will go visit their representative on capitol hill and they'll have actually have a sit down and you know blah blah and kind of tell them what they're up to and with an eye towards make sure you don't forget us in your funding. <laughs> so, uh, and this is where the business gets so interesting. You just, you just get this inside look at, um, you know, how, you know, just this aspect of business that you never even knew existed. So, um, so, there were about there was like I don't know eleven or twelve states in the region in the south, and so the, this project involves creating profile sheets. And if you scroll down um, to the third page, um, you'll see what I mean. So on one side of the page, it says nonprofits and foundations southeast, and then there, this is a general information that is going to appear on all of the um, what they call one sheets. And then on the back side of, you go down the next one is, say, Alabama. Okay, that was one of the states, and so so every single one, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, you know, whatever, all they're all going to have this first page, nonprofits and foundation southeast, and then they're going to have their own um, unique page. And so I had to create this for all I had to do. The only project part of this project I had to do was this first paragraph. Um, where they were highlighting, again, a story. <laughs> Imagine. Um, Dave, maybe you're right. <laughs> um, highlighting the work that um, one of the projects that they did. And so, um, so in advance of that, um, they were going to have me call up all of these foundations and get their contact person on the phone and, and milk them and you know, get the information I needed out of them. We had a very tight time frame on this, so I made a counter suggestion. I said, how about we send them all a questionnaire, a brief questionnaire um, that, you know, that they can fill out quickly and you know, make it clear that if you don't get it in, you don't get your one sheet and you don't get your representation. So it really behooves you to, to do um, and um, so they, they thought that was a great idea because you start getting to trying to coordinate 11 phone calls with 11 people, and, you know, who are busy and, you know, crazy busy. It's, it's you know, and rather, rather put the ball in their court. So, um, so I created, and they love this because it was my idea. So I said, okay, and I'm going to write the letter that you're going to send to them. 
you know, to, to make sure that this happens, you know. So this is, this is the letter questionnaire I created. That's the first page of this file. To send out to the client, to the different state agency reps to get their input, it was designed to hasten and streamline the process of collecting the content I needed while making the content more uniform, all of which would make my job easier. Um, and then so it just explains what they're doing, and then you see the italicized copy. To make this even easier for you, we've hired a writer whose job it will be to turn your story details into a brief, engaging, and compelling narrative. As such, not worry about having to write it perfectly. Da -da. So you kind of address the questions that they may have. And then you get into the, the questions uh, at the end. You know, can you briefly share a story of a project undertaken by a specific nonprofit that your foundation funded? Da -da -da -da. Which foundation you represent? What do they serve? Da, da, da. And based on this, um, I was able to, um, you know, get all the information I needed, but do it um, very expeditiously. Uh, and and this was ended up being um, about a twenty-eight, twenty-nine hundred dollar project. I did about eleven, I think, of these little, you know, um, things. So um, anyway, so. Just a different kind of project, but also just to illustrate, you know, that there's just a wide variety of stuff, you know, that we that we uh, we, we cover. Um, I'm honestly like wondering how I'm going to get through all this stuff today. <laughs> okay, we're going to go fast though. Okay, um, any any qu any questions before we move on to the next part? And again, you know, please go back and read this over and yeah. Peter. Chris. Just clarifying. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm so, which of us? Go ahead. Go uh, first, um, first. Go first. Go first. Go first. Yeah. Go ahead. Just curious if you if you remember. I don't know how long ago you did that the project where you sent out the questionnaires, but did you get uh, responses on a timely basis, or did you? Oh have yeah. To go to yeah, because they knew they knew that if they didn't, they wouldn't get their they wouldn't get represented. Okay. So they were going to be handling. They were being handing these ten one sheets or eleven one sheets to their to their representatives, and so okay. you know, so they 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 definitely had a vested interest in doing it. It's just that you know that can be forgotten when you're trying to get somebody on the phone. So, um, okay, Dave, quick question. Uh, okay, so essentially they gave you uh, a whole bunch of facts and information. They said we need some way to get people to. Our call to action, which is fill out the, the questionnaire or coordinate, whatever. So you started basically with a whole bunch of, of facts, and then you had to come up with a story to compel people to take that action, which was the questionnaire, which was your idea. Just to clarify, that's the way it, it came about. Um, okay, you you kind of confused me here. So um, they, no. they 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 sorry. Go ahead. No. Um, yeah, they maybe we're saying the same thing, but they I knew what the end product needed to be. I knew how um they needed to get a hold of uh these 11 people or 12 people how in in some way to gather the information to create this story. So, given the the tight timetable on this, I just suggested, you know, doing it this way. Um, and I got my information that way. So, you know, all my information was like, you know, 11 sets of, you know, answers to five questions. That's all I had to deal with. So okay. instead of having to sort through, you know, a, a bunch of different phone interviews and whatever. So. Oh, perfect. That's, that's okay. Perfect. Um, 
Let's go to um, web, the, the file that says Website Links V2. And, and by the way, if, I apologize to anybody who's downloaded all of these samples already to your site because I have gone in and I've changed a few of them. So, and, I, and I'll, note, I'll note those when I do, when I, when I have done that. So, um, okay, everybody, um, everybody see Website Links V2? Mm -hmm. Okay. This is just kind of a quick, you know, uh, overview. Um, you know, less is always more with web copy. Brevity should be the goal. That said, you want to say enough to get the job done, but little more than that. With business to business, you may have longer attention spans than business to consumer. Why? Because the reasons why a B2B customer buys something, i.e. their business needs it to operate and thrive, um, it's going to be less of an emotional purchase. Uh, and that's often very different than why a B2C customer buys. Um, as such, the B2B prospect is going to be more receptive to a case being built for something as they gather you know, the necessary details to make a decision. And that, that's going to apply to case studies, white papers, you know, most marketing material. That's what's going to be persuasive to that less emotional B2B buyer, not some pushy copy. In case you're thinking, oh, I don't know how to write marketing copy because I can't push people. Well, you better not push people because that's just not going to work, okay? Um, and, then, and then I wrote, that said, it never hurts to put something in your copy about making him or her in the role that you're targeting look brilliant to their bosses, you know? So, you know, if you're writing something, it's like, you know, um, it, you know, make you look really good for, you know, making this right decision. Um, and that ends up being kind of an emotional thing. Um, and, but don't count on too much longer an attention span um, just because they're, um, just because they're a little more deliberative about it. So, um, but again, you know, generally speaking, these kind of different rules apply for B2B versus B2C. You always want to have a direct statement of what the company does on a home page. You, you can't get too clever anymore with home pages, i.e. trying to get real. You want, because this, this unfortunately comes down to search engines, uh, and so oftentimes if you put something that doesn't have keywords in it that the search engines are going to find and you're trying to go for a more creative approach, it might be harder to, to, to have the, the site found. So, um, and, and again, don't, we're going to actually be looking at a few things. Make your copy scannable. Uh, people don't read websites much anymore, or anything for that matter. Um, they scan it. Well, that should be they scan. Um, so have lots of white space, break up sections with subheads, use bullets, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, before we go down, I want you to close this out just for a second, and we're going to come back to this, um, and open up the... Um, the, the, the file that says CJK um, old website pages. Everybody see that? No. Um, where? CJK old WS pages. You might want to refresh if you haven't, if you had the same one of, this is just something I uploaded today. Okay, got it. Okay. okay. So open that up. Yuck. And this was, yeah, you got it. They said yuck. Yuck. Oh right, yuck. Okay, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this was their old page. Now this is a very interesting business, but in a nutshell, they um, help companies manage their forklift fleet. 
forklift fleets from an economic point of view. It's very, it's like again one of these things like there there was a business for this and it's very profitable business, you know. So uh, and if you just scroll down, I just did screen captures of you know the different pages and there's just a lot of copy and you know da 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 da. Okay, so. Go back to now. I don't think, and I apologize for this, but I don't think your um, your uh, links, because they're not working for me, are going to link, are going to actually um, connect the ones I have down here. Try them. Or, uh, now, I would just say, open up a new page, cap, you know, do a do a um, cut and paste of CJK services. Or, or just type in CJK services into a new window. Um, and um, let me know when you're there. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, a little better, huh? <laughs> so, now, nice. yeah, I didn't, you know, I. I don't always get my way on these things, so and some of this, the the the, the pages kind of um, scrolling can be a little bit annoying. But are you maximizing the financial performance of your forklift fleet and at the lowest possible cost? Then have a completely objective ally in your corner. So it's key sales messages, um, and and then we go into um, you know click on YCJK and. Um, and again, a little message up top. Uh, suspect you're paying too much to maintain your forklift, forklift fleet, but don't have the time to find out for sure. So again, these are things that these people wrestle with. And then if you scroll, uh, you know, if you mouse over each of these, why finance managers want to work with us, why operations and warehouse managers want to work with us, I think they're still working out the bugs on this thing, frankly, because some of the some of these devices they're kind of whiz bang, but they, they they get a little annoying sometimes. So. Um, but you're 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 talking to several different audiences who could who could be visiting the site. So you want to explain to them, you know, what's in it for you? What's in it for you? What's in it for you? You know, um, and then you know, go to services, um, and there's three different sections here: forklift repair analysis, information management reporting, and a guardian over your fleet. And you know, you click on each one, and it'll open up, uh, take you to more. You know more details about something. Um, God, this thing—the way it scrolls up and down—is very dodgy. So um, I need to mention that to them. So, but again, at, based on the conversations, you know, extensive conversations I had, interviews with the, you know, the people in, um, you know, the my subject matter experts, which in our business are called SMEs. If you ever see that acronym S M E, that means sub subject matter expert. Um, I was able to, for each of these sections, pull out the, in this case, one, two, three, four, of eight different, um, you know features of this particular aspect of the business. Um, then they have an FAQ section, a lot of which I was able to just create, uh, you know, based on the conversations that I had with them, and they tweaked them a little bit. And um, uh, But... Uh, but it, uh, it 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 was you know just again after I'd had a chance to talk with uh, the subject matter experts I thought okay these are the questions that people are going to have um, 
And, you know, the whole idea of repeating things uh, again and again. So even though you mention it in one other place, um, there's nothing wrong with putting a question uh, in your Q and FAQs that addresses that point again, so it drives it home, you know, um, especially if it's things that might be kind of obvious. So, um, and, um, you know, about us, um, and there's the CJK story. Um, and bless her heart, this is the uh, this this guy right here, the the CEO, is going through like cancer right now, and is under chemo, and and somehow manages to keep an incredible attitude, and you know, um, so. But anyway, so um, questions on that. You wrote the whole site, correct? Mostly, do you work with a designer, the gra you know, the the person who's laying out the website when you do something like this? What I missed the first part of your question. I'm sorry. When you're that working on too. something like this, how closely are you working with? Oh, the, um, well, um, I mean, I, the the designer. This was actually my 22 year relationship designer, the one I've had, you know, uh, that I've been working with since day one. Uh, and, and I was working with her. Um, not as much as you might imagine. I mean, we're talking uh, a lot, but we're not coordinating as much. She was coordinating a lot with um, like an SEO guy and uh, an overall project manager. But my copy, I mean, she would get back to me when, hey, we need to trim this down a little bit. It's a little long, whatever. But it wasn't like it was just the two of us, you know, hunched, you know, over a table, you know, for hours on end. You know, so, um, but uh, that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Um, Peter? Yeah. Um, it's Chris. Uh, did you – I'm trying to figure out – visualize this in your head, the, the whole website, the change of the website? I mean, for no, no. I mean, it 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 actually um, started out as okay. How many links are we, do we want to have? Uh, what are the links going to be? And then, um, and once that was agreed on, um, the project really evolved. So they didn't. So they were not counting on me. This wasn't something like, well, what do you know? Tell us what we need to do. I mean. Most clients are going to have a pretty clear idea. Well, we need to have this, 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 and this. And obviously, they're open to suggestions and all that. But don't think that it's always going to fall to you. You know. Now, this was a fairly astute client. I mean, their last website wasn't very good, but you know, they they they're they're good they're good business people. Uh, if you're dealing with a smaller company that may not um, you know have as much uh, you know experience whatever with this kind of thing or creating an effective website or whatever, you may have to take on a little more of that responsibility um, but um, you know but as a rule it's not a bad idea to say hey based on the conversations we've had um, and, and and you should be able to do this you know based on the conversations we had and the, and the nature of your business and what you're trying to uh, convey here I suggest you know these five links or whatever and as it was it really did evolve over time and it actually went beyond scope uh, and I ended up you know they ended up paying me a little more money um, when it was all said and done, so um, but uh, no, you know they don't they don't count on you to um, to uh, come up with everything yourself. So how long did a pro did a project this project, if you can remember, how long did it take 
from beginning to end in well the- this was this was a tough one because of the stuff that the CEO was going through and so things really stretched out uh, a long time um, you know I would say my piece was was done um, it probably took about four months for it to get done uh, and that's not typical let's look at um, you know the, the next three um, the next three samples, um, Elja is the parent company of Financial Care for Seniors as well as My Daily Bookkeeping. Um, but, you know, just type in on that, maybe if you still have that old, or this CJK page, just type in Elja and uh, uh, go look at that. And Elja yeah. is kind of an, an over, you know, arching site. And again, very straightforward. Um, How and, do you and E-L-G-I-A. That's it's 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 linked. It's I have it listed there in that you know. Oh, I'm sorry, in that web links um, document, which you I guess you should open again. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, a website or 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 your document. Okay, elgia.com. All right, I'm there. And it's in and it's in, and it's listed in the in the document. So the, in the website links, which you closed out, but you know. Um, all right, so. Your source for outsourced task management, including daily finance, daily bookkeeping services, user client project training, and financial management for aging loved ones. Now you see the two of those things are two financial care for seniors and my daily bookkeeping, which are two subsets. At Elgib, where the answer to the question, how do you grow your company, expand your capabilities, and dramatically improve your customer service, all without adding a single employee? And do it tomorrow. So um, this is... Um, this is a good example of how like our websites are kind of going these days. They they you know there's it's you know a lot of scrolling pictures and in some cases it's a long scrolling page. I think on the next one you're going to see that you know a long scrolling page. Um, and if you go onto the services page, um, you're going to see three. Um, you know, three icons, if you just hit, hit each one, there's a, a little kind of abstract little one-liner about it, um, and then you can click on the different links to to actually uh, find out more information. So, um, and, you know, click on one of those. So under services, click on, say, My Daily Bookkeeping, uh, and then click on the Read More. And and so this is kind of four key points that kind of top line points that um, they make. And then you see that take me to the full site. Let's click on that for, um, okay. And I came up with a tagline for this, know your numbers, propel your profits. It wasn't my first choice. I had come up with one that I and my designer loved a whole lot better, which was prepare for profitability, um, because the whole idea was that the, the better you understand your numbers, the more money you'll make. So it has a nice double entendre, you know. Prepare for profitability, like here it comes, you know, and prepare, you know, get yourself ready for it, you know, to get it. So, um, and this is, you can see, even though there's a nav bar across the top, it's a scrolling website. So it, it, you can scroll through all of the different um, pages just in one fell swoop. 
So, um, but if you click on each of the ones up top, it'll just take you to that. So it's kind of an interesting um, new way that things are being done. So, um, okay. Um, let's look. Um, I'm going to skip the, and again, please just look at it on your own, but there's another one called Financial Care for Seniors. Um, I, I wouldn't be saying too much more different about that site, but, you know, take a look at that um, when you um, when you get a chance. And I, I did the tagline for that as well. And um, so um, this company also did a, um, all right, are you still on this site, mydailybookkeeping.com? Yes. Okay. Um, add to the address up there, forward slash CPA. I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. Um, and tell me when you're there. Okay. Yep. There. Okay. So... Um, can you can you scroll can you scroll back to your uh, to the box.com site? Do you have two windows open? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, close that whatever you have open and open up um, a file called MDB Reseller Bro Final. Everybody see that? I like that name. <laughs> Everybody find it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Okay. So this was a direct mail piece and one that was given out at conferences um, to attract CPAs to this service. And I came up with this idea, strategic partnership that's all asset and no liability. Um, and it's basically saying um, you don't like to do book bookkeeping, but you know it needs to get done. We'll handle it, and, and we don't compete with you, so let's work together kind of thing. And this brochure um, then you know, it laid out all of the – if you scroll down, you see for you, for your clients, why a strategic partnership with My Daily Bookkeeping makes sense, and then the dark colored points – are for you, the accountant, and the green points are for, you know, why it makes sense. Because you want to make sure your clients are being taken care of, too. So in essence, they're saying, let us take care of your clients' bookkeeping needs so you can focus on, you know, giving them better service and all that, okay? Who's an ideal client, and then who's behind it. And now, this was an, an original edition of this brochure, and it did not have, you, you may notice that, uh, when you add it all up, with the, the contact, um, it does not say mydailybookkeeping.com forward slash CPA, but the final version did have that. So, so somebody getting that, and now you can go back to that page we just opened up, that CPA, uh, mydailybookkeeping.com. Someone who went, who got that brochure and then went to that site, this is called the landing page. Okay, so. It continues that conversation that they had uh, with the person um, starting out um, with, the, with that brochure they got. And, and that's the key to a landing page is 
that's the whole point of a landing page is to um, have there be a seamless continuation of a conversation between the whatever vehicle the person got, whether it's an email or a direct mail piece or whatever that says, go to this site to, to get more information. Um, and then instead of just saying, just go to our site and have them flounder around trying to find information on what they need, and you would be amazed at how many companies get this wrong. Um, they, uh, you know, they did it like this. You know, they do it the right way so that someone reading this feels welcome. Like, okay, you know, um, and then and then it goes, it it goes into again. It, it reiterates a lot of the same points: why it's a good idea for you, the accountant, and why it's a good idea for your clients. And then there's a course, um, you know, a, a data, you know, a, a field to to fill in their information and and. Uh, get more information about it. And someone who's gotten to this point is probably going to fill out the sheet to get some more information. So, so that's um, um, – go back to um, – go back to the, um, the, the box.com, um, and you can close out that file, and then go to landingpagesamples.pdf. And let me know when you're there. I don't. I and I am sorry about this. We are going to go over today. If you have to leave, feel free. If you can stay, that's great. Um, but we, we definitely are going to need a little more time today. So, because I want to make sure I don't just gloss over everything. This is, um, you know, just a brief um, rundown about the difference between a sales page and a landing page. Um, now, again, a sales page is oftentimes that in the direct response world, that long letter thing that keeps scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and has call-outs and sidebars and testimonials, and it's all designed to get you to sign on the dotted line by the time you leave. Different from a landing page. Again, it's a separate page within a company's main site that in a sense shepherds the visitor, creating a seamless reading experience you know, for that reader coming to the page from an email, a direct mail piece, a web promotion of some sort that they've received. So. Um, and then there are some samples of in, in web copy. Uh, you know, you just saw a real live one, but uh, um, and actually, this is the first one because I think the last time I did this, the, that one wasn't up yet, and now it is. So, so this is just the uh, the copy version of it. Um, and uh, and then there's a couple of other ones as well. So when you have a chance, and you know, look this stuff over. And you know, the last the last session we're going to have, of course, is a Q and A. And so save up some of these questions. You know, write them down. Um, I'll, I'll talk. You know, I, I know this session's scheduled for 90 minutes. You want to go two hours? I'm happy to be on the phone for two hours. You may not be able to be, but I'm I'm happy to do that. So, um, okay. Um, so, you know, remember, it's not a, a landing page is not trying to sell the person on the product right then and there. They're trying to get them to, to the next level. Typically, sales cycles on these things are a lot longer, um, and, uh, and there's stages of them. And so it's, it's, you know, no one's foolish enough to think that you're going to go to a website and spend, you know, thousands of dollars on something right away, you know. So, okay, questions? Okay. Um, all right. Uh, well, you said the landing page is supposed to shepherd 
or could basically seamlessly continue the conversation. Right. But typically, the landing page will take the the client to to where. What's the next step after? I know it sounds it's probably well. Not it's, it, well, it, it it depends on the it depends on the situation. So um, in this, you saw the one we just did, where it was right. actual live page where they fill out some information to get to 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 get more information. So there's there's going to be some kind of a call to action, information capture of some sort, number to call, report to download, you know, um, contact person, whatever. Uh, but there's gonna, you know, they're gonna move them along the path. So, and the idea is that as long as somebody is still in the conversation and is co- taking the time to visit the site, if they're still interested, they're gonna reach out, you know, to to take the next step. So, and at the very least, they can capture their information so that they can reach out to them. So, okay, sure. so you know, so it, it it is a it is a you know a next step kind of thing. So, okay. Um, we are going to jump into case studies here. Um, so, uh, I got to find my notes here. Okay, go to um, go to. Um, are you are you all familiar with Casey Hibbard? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, Casey is a. Um, is a kind of the case study expert, um, and she donated some stuff. Open the file that says KCH, the case for feature format of case study. PDF. Everybody see that? Yeah. Okay. Um, and let me get it open. Okay. So basically, I'll just summarize this, but again, feel free to read it over at your leisure later. Um, there is a standard format, has been a standard format, the traditional format. If you scroll down, it's the customer, the challenge, the solution, the results. And there's still a lot of companies who like to use this. And there's nothing wrong with it. Um, she has started pushing people more towards in the direction of this feature format, which is, you know, she talks about, you know, she's completely addicted to magazines and uh and again it's about telling a story and so um if you go to um i'm going to give you an example of one i did uh go to the file that reads um uh, M- mem hosp um as in memorial hospital Memhost final copy plus print. Everybody see that? Yep. Okay. So this was the this was a um, a case study I did for a building materials company, and this is the word version of it. Um, and it was an article. Florida get second. Florida hospitals get second skin, second chance. Um, and again, started out with a story. Memorial Hospital system administrators were concerned, and for good reason. The management of of MHS, da, 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 da. they knew they dodged a bullet when Hurricane Wilma, et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of, you know, build up the story, tell tell how things unfolded. Um, and I had to do a fairly extensive set of interviews with several key players. This was like a twenty-four hundred dollar uh, um, case study, as I remember. And they 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 don't always 
you know, this was longer than most, and so you, you generally, you know, a typical case study two-pager might be 1,000, you know, 1,500, something like that. So, again, read it over when you get a chance, um, and you might notice I have little notes in, uh, in here, um, which is my notes, kind of editorial notes to my client. And then um, if you keep scrolling down, you'll actually get to the story itself that actually appeared um, in a magazine known as, believe it or not, Walls and Ceilings. <laughs> That's the name of the magazine, is Walls and Ceilings. <laughs> so, um, and... Um, and they, you know, they, they were pretty. They kept most of the thing, and I even got a little byline in there. You know, even that they even let me put my, uh, they even let me put my uh, URL in there. So, um, I did two versions of these of the case studies I did for the company I was working for. One for their own site that was a bit more promotional, and one for publication that was a little less promotional. Uh, but even with the latter, apparently the trade pubs for industries are a bit more lenient about being able to be a bit more promotional than one might be in a normal magazine. Um, and it stands to reason a trade publication is, by definition, going to be more business-oriented, so it's not as objectionable to be promotional than it would be for a regular magazine. So, um, okay, any, any, any questions on this uh, before, we, before we get into actually looking at uh, some of the case studies that uh, Casey... Uh, generously contributed. So, um, okay, go to, okay, why can I not find it? There it is. Okay, um, let's go to uh, the KCCS Feature 1 United Airlines. Everybody seen that? No, no. Uh, <coughs> There's three of them together for her. You with me? Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, 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 uh, I, I, KC, KCCS. Oh, okay. okay yes, feature sorry. One, United Airlines. I, I thought it was sold at the camp. Sorry. I, I, okay. Um, okay. Um, boy, you know, it would be really great to actually have Casey, um, you know, explain these. Wouldn't that be nice? Let's see if we can conjure her up out of thin air. Casey, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> wow! How about that? <laughs> you snap your fingers and I'm here. I know. How about that? Well, thank you so much for getting the telepath telepathic message. So, of course. Yeah. So anyway, we'll say everyone say hello to Casey. <laughs> hello, Casey. Hey, everybody. Um, so thank you so much for. Um, for joining us again, and um, you know, I'm going to give you um, about 20 minutes to, um, and and a few more minutes if you need that, to kind of uh, go go through these, throw, go through your great work here, and uh, kind of tell us the thinking behind them. So. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. So, um, yeah. First of all. Yeah, as Peter was explaining, there, there are kind of two different ways that you can present your case studies, the traditional format and the feature format. And case studies have been written in the traditional format forever. 
And I think it kind of goes back to the origin of case studies where they started maybe in medical schools or business schools and they were very dry and, um, you know, would start out with challenge and then go into solution and then results. And and those were just the, the headings that they used. There was not really a goal of trying to make them super engaging for the audience because they knew the audience was captive probably. You're in, you're in school. Right. You have to read it anyway. So, um, But the journalism industry, media industry, has been clued into this for a very long time that you need to present things. You, you need to tell a story. You need to make your headlines and subheads engaging. Um, make the design interesting, have some you know sidebars and some pull quotes or featured quotes. Um, and so that's the way that, that I've been going, the way I've been pushing my clients to go and pushing you know, other writers in the industry to go because um, it's just so much more fun to read. Um, yeah. And ultimately, you know, in marketing, that's the goal is to, to keep keep someone reading. And so to get them, and to get them reading in the first place by drawing them in with something you know fun or right. cool or interesting. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. And if you hunt around on the web, you'll find a lot of case studies that have this traditional format, but you'll also see some some feature format case studies, and and that's exciting to see that the industry is starting to go that way. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at the United Airlines case study that you have pulled up. This one was, was a really fun one to write because um, ultimately it, it was about the merger of United Airlines and Continental Airlines and the data records, all the customer records having to come together into one system, which is, was a huge undertaking. Um, and, the, and the importance of that, the, you know, how it ties into United's you know, broader goals to be able to, to have contact information to notify people if there's a weather delay and that kind of thing. So we we took a really featurey approach with this one. Um, and that, that starts right at the beginning, you know, and, and similar to Peter's example that he showed you with his hospital case study, you just, you start out with the story. Um, which is very different from the traditional format where you're starting out with a headline that, or a heading that says about the customer or, you know, about United Airlines, mm-hmm. which really, you know, it just it doesn't encourage anybody. It doesn't draw anybody in. Um, so in this one, I started out with in the airline industry, it's not always sunny in 72. And, you know, go on to talk about how, Unforeseen events happen all the time, and it's how you respond that matters. And um, I have a customer quote pretty quickly in the beginning there, which I like to try to do. And it, it's just very much like a magazine feature. Right. Uh, and if, Yeah, if you scroll down, you'll see my, my subheads are also descriptive. And I've got, let's see, how many subheads do I have in here? Four, at least four, five, to yeah. break it up, and you know, ultimately, my goal is to you know try to have someone glean something from those without necessarily reading every word of the case study. Right. Yeah. It just and breaks it up and makes it easier to look at. So. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, largely the case study still follows that traditional flow of information, mm-hmm. but I'm not I'm not sticking big signs at, at you know the top of each section. Challenge, right. solution, results. Yeah. And the information that normally goes in a customer section, like about the customer, that I just weave that information throughout. You know, mm-hmm. so I've got like number of daily flights and how many passengers fly and how many you know records they have and and all that. But um, I just kind of weave it in so it doesn't break the flow. Not so of clinical. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then. Right, right, absolutely. Um, so then I've got a sidebar on the uh, the right side on that front page also for someone who doesn't want to read every word. They can just um, get the, the highlights. Um, so, yeah, so that's the Axiom um, United story. And this one ended up getting press. Um, it ended up winning some awards. They submitted it you know, to different industry awards um, applications. And so... Uh, that was really fun. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so uh, can I ask, where did this actually appear? I mean, where was it on a website or? Oh, yeah. Right. So, so, so Axiom's my client, and so they and and United is their customer. So this went on the Axiom website, and then it was also used to you know pitch to the media. Um, we used information from this to apply for awards like database awards because it ultimately was about a database. Um, And then Axiom salespeople use it in one-on-one conversations with prospects. And uh, and, and Axiom is in data and database management. Right, exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, and this was, and, and, and this was, and so Axiom's product is what United Airlines was using. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, and the, actually, this ended up being really cool. The um, the guy we interviewed for this story, he got so much attention for this project, partly because of the case study, and and they also did a video on him that um, he ended up getting a, pr- a huge promotion. <laughs> oh well, hey. Yeah. So. Oh, he was cut. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> well, let's um, let's let's go on to the next one. I I'd hate to rush you because you have such good stuff, but I'm just you know. We're yeah, no, I totally understand. Yeah. yeah. Which one do you want to do next? Um, let's go ahead and do the um, uh, KCCS trad, uh, the traditional uh, millage PD. Uh, okay. PDF. All right, great. Yeah. So. Um, Maybe give you guys a few seconds to pull that up. Milledgeville PD. So this is a police department in Georgia. Yay! Right down the road. Millage, yeah, it's Milledgeville right near you, Peter. Well, it's <laughs> actually one of my good friends has a house down there, and we've, uh, as a group, gone down there. It's one of these big antebellum, and it's a college town, but it's a cool little yeah. town. So yeah, anyway, it's, go on. It's it sounds like a fun town. So this is just an example of a traditional format case study. And as I mentioned, we've got that about the customer paragraph or section right at the outset about Milledgeville PD, where we describe the town and the police department. And and yeah, this is 
really typical of what you see for traditional case study. Uh, and then challenge, and then solution, and then I think, yep, results. Um, so super typical. And my, my client is Zebra, and they make um, electronic citation and printers. So they can, so police officers can expedite traffic stops. Um, so ultimately, um, yeah, this is a story to, to help them sell their e-citation. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, so, but, but this client does many case studies, and all of them are traditional format. They, as much as I try to encourage them to switch away from that, they've got you know 100 case studies that are all like this, and they're not really eager to change um, just because right. you know right. then some some would look different, basically. So right. Um, Right, and yeah. if you've got a certain client base that's used to a certain thing, you have to take that into account. So right, right, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, so Can you I know, sure. When you have a, something like this that kind of reads a bit like an article, um, do you have like a word link that you're shooting for at like an article, or how does that work? Um, did you say did you say word count? Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So I know if if the typical two page case study. Um, it you know is like 850 to maybe 950 words something around there depending on how many graphics they're going to be putting in mm -hmm. um that's that's what i'm shooting for for a, a two pager um you know and and i know that zebra zebra doesn't usually have huge graphics so i know that i can probably go about 900 words on a case study for them i have other clients on a two page case study it might be closer to like 750 words or so because they use more images. So that's that's a good thing to always find out before going into a case study project. Uh, I'm sorry, you said um, this is more traditional and you said that the traditional format is more challenge solution results. Just mm -hmm. Right, right. Exactly, okay. yeah. And traditional is, but, but the trend is going towards more the feature format and that's, where you feel you where things are are better right? it gets excelling yeah absolutely it's just it's just much more you know engaging um you know so maybe after the call today I encourage you guys to to read some of these examples and you know see for yourself what's more engaging you know, the feature format or the traditional format uh, you know i mean you can, yeah you can still you know do your best on a traditional format case, state, case study to be engaging, but I think it's a little easier in a feature format. So um, I will right. move on. Yeah, let's... Yeah. Uh, this is, let's pull up the Mary Kay. Peter, what's the file name? Um, it is... Um, Du, du, du. KCCS Feature 2, the number 2, Office Depot, Mary Kay. All right, great. Yeah, so this, this is a case study that I wrote for Office Depot. Office Depot is my client. Mary Kay is their customer. Mary Kay buys a ton of office supplies from them, and so they get this big bundled discount. But essentially, it's, it's again, a feature format. I've got um, descriptive 
subheads throughout. It's not a super long story. It's it's definitely shorter. They've stretched it out to two pages because of all of the graphics that they've used mm-hmm. and and big headline and all that. I actually think I, I like this format. I think it's attractive and, and certainly does look a little bit more like a magazine than some of the others. Um, so once again, you know, I I just kick it off with um with the story and I here I, I go back. I mean I, I start out talking about you know the customer and the, the customer's history, how, you know, they started out with five hundred square feet and five beauty products okay. years ago and um kind of what what they've grown into. Um but I'm not, you know, packaging it in that clumsy about Mary Kay um section. And and then it unfolds with um, our descriptive subheads and uh, and if you'll notice that that last subhead on page two saving ten to forty percent. Um, I I try to make my subhead be you know like Tension impactful. Yeah, you know, I mean if there's a, if there's a metric, then I try to include Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, so and that goes for for the headline. I think for some reason the the client or the customer struck out the the metric that was probably in the the top headline on page one, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you don't uh, always. They would only so they would only listen to us all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about case studies. Case studies go through more more edits than your typical project because the the featured customer is also reviewing it. Yeah. Um, oh, very yeah. good, very good. So, um, does anyone have any questions? Uh, I, I um, uh, well, let me let me, let's get that out of the way. Does anybody have any questions of Casey? Um, okay, so for this one, Casey, who was your client? My client was Office Depot. Oh, okay. And they were um, talking about their relationship with their customer, Mary Kay. Correct. Exactly. I, yeah. It. Yeah. I know it's kind of it's kind of confusing when you when you look at it. It's because Mary Kay is right at the top, but um, I don't think we see any Office Depot branding until the bottom. Yeah. Right. Into the next. Uh, right. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, but I, probably I a lot like. of this stuff's going to be in context, so someone's going to see it on a website, on the Office Depot website, or they're going to be, you know, it's going to be sent to them by an Office Depot salesperson or something, you know. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they'll be expecting yeah. it. So, yeah. um, Casey, as many of you know, is the author of uh, Stories That Sell, uh, and uh, which is the definitive work on writing case studies. And um, Casey, take a you know minute or two and tell people you know where they can find more information about you, uh, what you offer, if you have any um, other products, services, coaching, seminars, whatever. Go for it. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. My my whole thing is case studies, and um, I have a, a first of all a ton of free stuff on my website, which is stories that sell guide dot com. So you can find, you know, blog my blog, you can find archives of my newsletter, you can sign up for my monthly newsletter if you're if you are interested in checking out case studies and learning more about them. Um there's a ton of info there. And I do have some case study specific, you know, online training um for those of you who who really want to pursue case studies. 
But uh, and, yeah. and, and I will in the follow up email that I will send out to everybody today. I will I will include um, her link. So you know, don't you don't have to you know furiously write it down right now. I'll you'll, I'll send it to you again. So yeah. But. Um, Okay, oh, I very great. I can put in a plug for your book, Casey, because I've read it and I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And who, who's this? This is Miriam. Miriam, Miriam Davis. Yes, yeah. yeah, she's Miriam from, Davis. Great. And, you're, and Miriam's from um, Alabama, Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah. Oh, okay, um, cool. Oh, that's so, so funny. I'm I'm writing a case study right now about Montgomery, Alabama. I'll have to send it to you when really? I'll have to send it to you when I'm done. It's about oh, yeah, it's about please. Yeah, it's about the mayor. <laughs> but uh, oh, that's how strange. Yeah, that <laughs> is really strange. And what and and, and what's even stranger is that I would that I would go out of my way to tell you where she's from. <laughs> his motto, his, his campaign motto was "Keep Montgomery Strange." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I like that. So. Um, all right. Very good. Well, Casey, thank you again so much uh, for um, for joining us. And uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to talk these folks into hanging on the phone for a few more minutes uh, to cover the rest of the material we haven't gotten to yet. Okay. So. Great. But, well, I I really appreciate it, Peter. And you know, I love to talk about this stuff. So thanks. I know you do. And and yeah. And 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 we appreciate having you. So thanks yeah. again. Okay. Thanks so much. Have, have a good right. weekend, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Now, it is 2.31. Um, and hopefully you got some, you know, good information. I figure you can go to the source. <laughs> um, I We still have not talked about white papers at all. And so um, – uh, if you can hang on the phone uh, for about 15 minutes longer, uh, if you can't, um, you know, if you got to go, you got to go, and you can just uh, look, uh, you know, listen to it later and and um, follow along. So, um, question. Uh, if you don't, uh, if you just mind if I just jump in for a second, you, you don't have to feel pressured. At least as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, it's, I'm, it's, I'm privileged. <laughs> I, I really okay. the more okay. I hear Dave, I'll get, I'll get your check in the mail today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm being 100 percent sincere. That's, that's oh, okay. I pre- I appreciate that. So, but I also try to respect people's time. And you know, I did say it was an hour and a half. To this one, and you know, we're at that point. So, um, okay. So um, go to. Um, and this is actually a really cool thing. I just uploaded this this morning, and you guys will appreciate this. So actually, it's the last file. If you have them alphabetically arranged, WPS for Dummies Info and Chapter 1. Everybody see that? Yep, got it. Okay, open up that. You guys are going to love this. Gordon Graham, who is the um, white paper, that white paper guy, um, he um he gave me this and I was actually trying to get Gordon on the thing but you know he was kind of tied up and so this is a wonderful he wrote a really good book called White Papers for Dummies um which I would highly recommend if you are you know planning on including white papers as part of your uh, mix um and for certain people it's just the right kind of project you know there's a lot of journalists who you know come out of journalism and they're not making any money and they can go into white papers and and it's the similar type of skills research involved you know not a real hard sell 
more about educating the client. The, you know, things like white papers, case studies, web content, blog posts, um, some ever other project types are are what make up what is known in, in today as content. So when you hear the term content marketing, in essence, and some of you I know know exactly what I'm talking about, but for those of you who don't, when you hear content marketing and you're saying, well, you know, I, I'm hearing this more and more. What does that mean? You know, in essence, like a you know a real Cliff Notes version, um, companies are trying to attract organic search traffic to their sites. So by creating um, materials, content, in those categories, case studies, white papers, web content, blog posts, things like that, that address the issues that people, their target audience is wrestling with and wants answers to, by addressing those issues in, in these different content, uh, pieces, it will attract that organic search engine traffic. So this is part of the kind of evolution, in, in a sense, of marketing going from from more promotional. And there don't and there don't mistake, there's still plenty of promotional material out there, but a lot of it is moving towards a more educational um, type approach. So, you know, a, a company, you know, someone who, again, people don't want to be sold. So, you know, educate me about what I need to know. And in the case of a white paper, it's, um, there's, a, there's definitely a marketing angle, no question about it. But it's softer and, it, and it's, it's wrapped up in education. But, you know, you're still putting your best foot forward. So anyway, so this infographic, um, um, you know, top challenges facing B2B marketers, generate leads, stand out for the crowd, engage prospects. You know, some, and I love this infographic because it's just, it's so basic and it's, and it's so easy to understand. Um, you know, some experts say there's 40 different types of white papers. What if there are only three? And, and in his book, he basically narrows it down to three um, types, and, and we'll get into that on the next page. Um, white papers are great for anything new that has to be introduced, anything complex has to be explained, and anything expensive has to be justified. Um, so then if you go down to the, the next page, three main flavors of white papers, and he calls them vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. You know, So vanilla is the backgrounder, an in-depth look at the features and benefits of a product or service. Um, six to ten pages plus a cover. Strawberry is the numbered list, a numbered set of tips, points, questions on a topic, light and lively, ten, five to ten pages plus cover. And then the chocolate is the problem solution. And this is a, these are usually a little more rich in content and depth, a new improved solution to a major problem, rich and satisfying. Um, when to use each one? Um, at the top of the funnel, Problem solution white paper describes a new improved solution. Um, so, so top of the funnel means you know somebody's just looking for information, starting to search for information about something, um, and so you know you're opening their eyes to a new solution, to a new improved solution to a serious problem. Aha, uh -huh, okay. And then in the middle of the funnel, you know by this point people will have weaned themselves or or winnowed themselves out if they're not a prospect for this service, but so the people who are left, numbered list white paper presents a set of, set of tips, questions, or points on some issue. Um, 
and and the bottom of the funnel, the backgrounder, the technical or business benefits. So you start getting into you're starting to get into the nitty gritty of it. So, and he's not saying that there's only three types and and they all should look just like this. As you can see, um, he's actually um, he's actually talks about. Um, you know, the next thing, most white papers will fall into these one, uh, one fle uh, three flavors, but you can mix a numbered list with either, but do not mix a backgrounder with a problem solution, et cetera, et cetera. You know, again, read this over at your at your leisure, but uh, uh, I just love how he um, really kind of boiled this down, you know, to its essence. And then the last page is is really good. It's just a, you know, takes each one individually and um, you know, the definition also known as audience approach when to use length typical sections you know et cetera et cetera okay and then there's the first chapter of the book sweet <laughs> so anyway so let's look at and and just so you know um, we can close out of this now um, the stuff I'm about to discuss with you um, you see a file that says WP-GG, as in Gordon Graham, interview notes. Everything I'm going to be talking about in the next you know, 10 minutes or so uh, is in those interview notes. So, um, you know, yes, you can hear them on the, on the uh, recording, but just so you know, you have them here as well. Okay? So um, let's look at the first one, WP-1-GG, Problem Solution, Healthline, PDF. Everybody with me? Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is um, this is a classic problem solution white paper, a new a improved solution to a major problem. Um, and here the problem is that healthcare organizations can't access the wealth of data in electronic health records, and the solution is to upgrade their systems with more advanced features. Okay. So. I had I, I interviewed Gordon and we went through each of these and these are the notes that you know from them so um, you know so this was what he kind of as as he explained this to me so looking at this first cover page you know the project he said, he said the project had a great designer who created a good cover aimed towards the persona and there's a certain persona that you're that you're aiming these things towards and and the client will tell you what that is. Um, shown there, a professional working in a healthcare organization on the backroom administrative side. You know, notice her dress. If she was a clinician, she'd probably have a lab coat or, or something like that. So, and looking for answers. Um, and he's and Gordon said he's seen an upsurge in white paper business from the healthcare arena since the Affordable Care Act came into place, as companies are selling relatively new things. Uh, notice that it's called a special report under the headline, uh, a special report for healthcare executives. Um, and he felt like that's a great term. It's, um, you say white paper, that's very heavy and formal. So the reader feels like it was created just for them. Um, he would have preferred it was if it was more specific to the role that they were targeting, like you know a, a particular you know title of somebody. Um, but the company was trying to cast a broader net, you know, at the outside. So and then go down to the next page. Um, uh, well, you got your contents, um, and then the next page is the executive summary. 
every white paper needs an executive summary. Uh, if you can get them to read this, you have three possible outcomes. One, they might read it all. Two, they might read enough to know that it makes sense, but they're going to pass it along to a peer in their organization. Or three, they might determine it's not for them, which will eliminate a poor prospect, which is definitely what you want to do. Um, Call-outs are good. You know, you can see a call-out there. 80% of the data in, in EHRs is unstructured, so you're, you know, you're kind of reminding them of the, of the issues um, that they have. Um, and, you know, in, in that sales parlance where you say, first you tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, then you tell them what you told them, the executive summary is where you tell them what you're going to tell them, okay? Um, go down to the next page and, you know, it said, this is checklist. Are you mining all the gold in your EHR? Uh, the checklist uh, is borrowed Gordon noted it's kind of borrowed from self-help books, popular magazines, to determine how serious the problem is. And if the reader doesn't have these issues, then you've weeded out another poor prospect. So you need to zero in as much as possible uh, so that by the time someone gets through it, you know, they've qualified themselves. And then the next page, um, starting with what's being used today um, to mine EHRs today, um, that is uh, the traditional, well, traditional solutions that are being presented. So this is what's being, you know, what's, the, what's this prevailing level of technology? It's this and this and this. And it goes, that goes, actually goes on for the next three pages that describes how, they're, how it typically gets done and, you know, what the downsides are of that. Okay. Now, if you go down to... Um, there's a table there past those three pages of, of copy. You have the healthcare taxonomies and coding systems. Gordon said he had mixed feelings about this table. He said on one hand, he felt it was a bit of overkill. Uh, he said most companies aren't going to list all the systems their product can handle or incorporate. But by doing show, so, it says we're the expert. Uh, and showing that they really know what they're doing. So this is going to, you know, definitely uh, speak to the more technical uh, members of um, of the audience. So next page, um, and in and in the successive pages, you're starting to present the solution, and you make it clear quickly to the client that they don't need to. Um, you see the second um, headline down, no need to rip and replace. Um, they don't have to get rid of their existing solution completely. I mean, these are the kind of things that someone's reading this, like, geez, am I have to reinvent the wheel here? No. You know, and so, so even if someone's scanning, they're going to find the, the information that they need. So, and then you go down to what healthcare organizations need, what to look for in an ideal solution. This is the buyer's guide, uh, what he calls the buyer's guide. It's a very specific list of what to look for and in a way that highlights the key advantages of your solution. Um, so, you know, you're in essence saying, this is what you want to find in a solution, okay? And then the next page, you start introducing your solution, followed by more detail um, on the five things uh, that you want to look for. So, access to unstructured data, advanced natural language processing, comprehensive healthcare-specific taxonomy, fine-grained risk stratification, and smooth integration. He's got, he's got a shocking fact right here that I'm looking at that 
uh, just if I was uh, purchasing the system, it would jump right out at me. I'm a type 1 diabetic, and he says close to 40% of diabetics don't have that in their medical record. That would kill me, literally. It almost wow. has. Wow. Okay. So that's 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 uh, so yeah. So, so this this is uh, this is well this is a good product, you know. So it's an excellent. Yeah. Um, okay, and then and then we get into once you pass the the five things, you get into con- the conclusions, you know. And this is a vital section. This is where you told tell them what you told them. Um, many and he, he he's written this way he said many busy executives will read the executive summary scan the images along the way and read the conclusion and if they do those three things they'll get a good sense of it so make sure it's easy to scan and obviously make sure that you're you know giving a, a good information for a scanner so um and then in the um you see at the bottom of that, notice it said to find out more about how your organization can mine more value, and notice it's a landing page. It's a very specific link, you know, forward slash solutions, forward slash da 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 da, so that, um, you know, you're not just sending someone to a site and, and having them sort through it on their own. So, um, according to Gordon, he made $15,000 for two white papers and two case studies, which came out to roughly through this one client, 6000 each for a white paper um, and and 1500 each for a case study. You know, there's some... Oh, you know, you, um, 6000 each for... No, no, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Sorry, go ahead. No. Um, so you can... You can Serious, you can make some serious money doing these. I mean, it, it, you're not going to make that kind of money out of the gate, but there's a, a big demand for them. And if you... I couldn't do, you know, I don't think I could do white papers. You know, I'm, I, I like projects in and out. I like short copy type stuff. You know, I don't have the sort of temperament for it. But, you know, some people, it's like right up their alley. And at that kind of paycheck, I mean, geez, you do two a month and you're, you're, having, you're having a pretty good life. <laughs> so, okay. Um, any questions? And, again, I've, I've kind of shared I'm not a white paper expert. That's why I, you know, interviewed one. So, um, but, you know, Study these things at your leisure. Um, let's go to um, the second one, which is WP2GG Backgrounder Epson. Um, everybody got that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Classic Backgrounder, uh, in-depth look at the features and benefits of a B2B product or service. Um, this one was to launch to support the launch of a new line of printers, uh, and they've been written up apparently everywhere: Wired, Wall Street Journal, NPR, etc. Um, he said, and, you know, a couple notes. He said, you know, beauty, what he called the beauty shots on the cover, um, and your executive summary is on page three. Um, you know, the the introduction, um, and then. Um, the next thing, when is a printer like a space probe? He said, the analogy of the probe is called a conceit, which is kind of an interesting thing. It's in essence saying our printer is like the technology on a probe, when at heart, it's about cheaper ink. <laughs> but um, anyway, so the, the reason for the approach was to make the point that the reason for the uh, you know the probe approach was to make the point that there's more to this product than just cheaping. So we'll talk about the technology of these uh, printers. So um, 
This was a very different white paper, according to him, than a lot of them. He said it started out as a rough 50-page draft, intensely lawyered, as he put it. Um, he said Epson's already lost lawsuits about their cartridges, and Gordon was the editor for it. Um, so um, you list – okay, you're listing the three items um, – you know the, the features of it uh eco you know innovation uh eco tank innovation this is on page uh 6 starting on page 6 and he said me made the note he said keep the weaker items in the middle he said in this list of items three items which covers page 6 through 11 number 1 is important number 2 is ho hum ie they all offer it you know all the companies in the industry and number 3 is good so people will remember 1 and 3 so that's kind of an interesting way to look at it, but it makes sense. Okay. Um, you have to talk about features and benefits. If it's all features, so what? So starting on page 12, you get into the uh, the benefits. And um, the key benefits apparently said so this took months for the company to zero in on. Should we have three, four, whatever? And he actually did not get involved in that internal discussion and they may have you involved but they may not so you know again they're not going to expect you to to be a mind reader and to be clairvoyant and to, to figure this stuff out if they want a good job they have to give you the information that they need so um epson he said has very little publishing tradition they haven't done too many of this this is the second white paper they've ever done and now they had according to him three more scheduled <laughs> he made sixteen thousand dollars on this white paper he said that is not he made a point of saying that is not typical but it just kept growing <laughs> he said it probably averaged 150 an hour on it so okay. how long did it take him uh, well, you can do the math. It's sixteen thousand for one hundred and fifty an hour, probably a little over a hundred hours. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and that wouldn't be typical. Um, I think you probably most white papers you probably twenty twenty five hours, something like that, if you know, um, or more, you know. But this that was a lot more. So. Um, okay, and let's go quickly to the last one, which is the WP3GG numbered list for a company called Rackspace. Okay, everybody there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, outsourcing projects, IT projects to managed hosting or the cloud. Uh, this is a numbered list of tips, points, questions. Uh, provided. This company provides cloud solutions to companies, and this piece lays out the success factors a company needs to consider when when considering outsourcing this aspect of your business. So in essence, what the point of this is like, you've got too many other things to worry about. Let us handle um, you know, this part of your business. Um, you know, it, um, you know, yeah, it's to sell companies that are considering doing it in-house that it makes more sense to outsource it. Uh, Rackspace actually competes with Amazon, who offers nothing but equipment. They actually, Rackspace offers more service and hand-holding and all that. So he said the company, these are the notes, he said the company downplayed the list element uh, in the title mainly because they have so many, <laughs> I thought this was great, listicles. 
which is a list-based article. <laughs> he said they had so many listicles already. Um, he said he would have added um, right under there, it said the 12 critical success factors to consider. He would have added, he, or he would have changed it to the, the 12 critical success factors to consider um, when you're pondering outsourcing or considering outsourcing. Um, Rackspace is an older client of, of Gordon's. They've been doing content for a long time, white papers, case studies, videos. He's probably done 20 white papers for them. Company chose to put the contents on the page, contents page on the cover. The piece aims at bigger and bigger companies, which often have their own data centers. And they're saying, get out of the data center business. They're not your core competency. Why not let someone who specialize in this, do it. Someone who can do it better, faster, cheaper. And then put your IT guys into strategic jobs. He said there's no logic, particular logic, to the order of the 12 points as you go through it. Um, but Gordon said he put the strongest ones in the beginning and end and the weaker ones in the middle. In some ways, he said this type is easiest to write because the case building isn't as imperative as would be the case on a backgrounder or a problem solution. So, and then going all the way down to um, the um, conclusion page, um, which is page nine, uh, 12, um, right under conclusions, he said he put a, they put a special phone number that will make sure a caller is routed to the right person fast, not just the main switchboard. So. Um, it's sort of the phone equivalent of a landing page. You don't want to invest so much in creating something like a white paper and then blow it when someone calls in and they and they get lost in the shuffle. He said he made $5,000 on this one and kind of a standard um, white paper fee for Rackspace. So, um, He said most common scenario, in terms of the design of white papers, the most common scenario is a client has a freelance designer. The least common is the writer providing the designer. Medium common is client has an in-house designer. So um, ideally, you want an editorial designer, someone used to working on magazines and newspapers or an annual report, someone who knows how to highlight information. A regular graphic designer, according to him, can actually ruin it, make it too boring, too, uh, too boring or, or too interesting. So um, if you have colors in the final version, he said make sure. You know, I'm, I'm going to skip this stuff because this is all the notes that are in the notes in the file on box, and so I don't want to um, – you know, beat it to death, but, um, you know, Gordon is at thatwhitepaperguy.com, and that's also on in that file. Um, he offers one-on-one -on -one coaching for writers seeking help. Um, there's 100 free articles on the site, um, and you can contact him for, for more details. So, Okay, well, I am sorry we went over, but we uh, were sort of caught up here, and I want to talk, needless to say, briefly about the exercise. Um, talked about it the other day, but I want to talk about it again. Oh, by the way, any, I'm sorry, any questions on the, um, any questions on white papers? And I'll do my best to answer them, given that I'm not an expert. It's uh, a, a comment. Uh, they sound uh, out of everything that we've talked about. They sound like something that I I felt a, a real connection to. I, I don't. Is it common uh, in in the world of copywriting or writing copy that 
there's one or two things or one or two styles, not talking about niches, but like styles of writing that you feel like, oh, that's where I really, you know. Well, maybe project types, but I wouldn't say styles because, you know, a white paper style can, you know, there can no, no, be I mean, many. I, I meant more like, you know, when I, when I, when I was hearing white papers, when I heard some of your short copy, like those two things, I was like, oh yeah, I could absolutely imagine that. And then other things I felt a little bit along the lines of like, ooh, that sounds hard. Uh, is that common in... in uh, I'm, I'm not sure what your question is. Uh, well, you mentioned, you, you said that you, you don't particularly feel like your... You're, you're, uh, oh, right. Your best is white papers. But when I was looking at white papers, I was thinking to myself, man, I could crack one of these out like... Like nobody's business, and yeah, well, you're, I mean, you're, you're clearly you're going to resonate with some things, um, you know, for your your temperament. I just I've gotten used to projects, kind of. Well, I've had a few that have stretched on and on, but um, you know, I, I I'm not I'm not really good with ones that just like research heavy and whatever. A lot of it is I just you know I don't want to sit behind my computer for that long, <laughs> frankly. Um, and uh, so, yeah, just find the thing that, that turns you on. And, and in the beginning, I always recommend to people that they, that they not try to uh, limit themselves by saying, oh, I'm just going to do white papers. Well, you know, you, you really should, you know, I'm sure even Gordon does case studies and he probably does some web content and he probably does some other things that he doesn't publicly, you know, on his website uh, promote, but... It, you know, a client who's hired him to do something, um, a white paper might say, do you also do this? He's like, sure, you know, because he doesn't want to miss that business. So um, so just over time, figure out, you know, what it is that uh, that really speak to you. And, uh, you know, I, for someone like me, short copy is just very, very, very different. It's the antithesis of a white paper, you know. I mean, I could certainly do it, but I don't think I'd be very happy. So, and to well, a certain extent. Perfect answer. Perfect yeah. answer. Okay. Good. Um, okay. So, um, again, the exercise just to review. Um, go to, if you go to the um, for those who I'm sure most of you already are on top of this, but Aeration Tech Original dot uh, the the uh, um, Word doc here. That is your um your kind of source material um and and I put it as a word doc so it would be easier to just kind of cut and paste from it and this was um you know just open that up this was um two different web pages both internal pages so you don't have to make it like a home page um and page 1 is one of the pages and page 2 and 3 was uh was another was a second page, and you don't have to do both. You can pick one or the other or both if you want to. Um, and um, this was how how it came to me, and the form in which it came to me, and just you know rework it uh, again. No right answers, no wrong answers, um, but rework it so that in your mind it's more effective. You know, it's more. Um, you know, it, it it gets the job done better. Um, and, and the audience for this is going to be um, homeowners associations around lakes who, you know, hey, we got to do something about our mucky lake, you know, or, you know, engineers who were involved in um, handling those kinds of issues for, 
or uh, associations. Um, so that's the first part, and um, you can close that out. And then the second part, part of course, is the um, just a headline exercise, and that's on the second second page of the samples. SCSE Builder Bro um, front and back uh, that piece, and I've just I've got a uh, a sample uh, a brochure about plantation shutters, and just read the brochure understand that it's targeted to builders and uh, what kind of headline might you put in place on something like this to um, to get their attention so again you can put both of your answers or both of your versions into one document that's totally fine uh, I do need them again by Monday at noon Eastern time um, uh, in order to be load it up into the master document remove take out take your name off of uh, you know don't don't have your name on it anywhere on the thing uh, if you want to own up to it when we discuss yours feel free but I don't want anyone to feel like you know they're they're under the uh, you know the under the microscope so okay um, thank you for hanging with me here and um, any other questions and 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 on Tuesday we will be reviewing um, the exercise and if we have time left over uh, we can get into more Q&A uh, we can touch on a few things I didn't have a chance to touch on but um, I, I definitely covered the main things and then of course on a week from today we'll have our final session which is uh, all Q&A on anything not just not just about samples and craft but about the business itself so, um, any last questions before we um, sign off here? Uh, thank you, Peter. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, and enjoy your weekend, and um, I'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. And how soon will the uh, tape of this be up? Um, usually within an hour or so. Um, oh, well, that's good. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, uh, and... Um, if you know, if it, and it depends on the length. It, apparently, the longer it is, it, it takes some time to process. So, anyway, okay. So, um, talk to you guys uh, on Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you much. Okay. All right. Bye. 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 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.